0: What's up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship, the first playoff event of the year. Remember, we're going to play only three playoff events this year, and don't worry, there's only a two-week offseason. It's the shortest offseason in all of sports, so there will be more golf almost immediately after the Tour Championship for us to dive into every single week. Um, I'm going to go through the course, the field, everything that's going to happen this week. Uh, and it's going to be very data driven. Do me a favor, hit the like button, make sure you're subscribed. It's super helpful, helpful for me to be able to continue doing this and, uh, hopefully constantly making it better. Okay. Uh, let's jump into it. Here's the course key stats tool on rickrungood.com. Everything you see is from my website. Um, It is a a massive uh, golf database for fantasy and and for betting. Uh, Lots of visualizations on there. All that fun stuff. Okay, a couple of notes. Leg one of the FedEx Cup playoffs. This is the last cut event that we have. So there's 125 golfers in the field. They will be cut on Friday like a normal event. And then starting next week at the BMW Championship, that's just going to be the top 70 golfers moving on. So no cut needed there. And then when we get to 30 golfers at East Lake for the Tour Championship, obviously no cut uh, there uh, either. Um, I'll be at the BMW Championship in Wilmington. If anybody's going to be around, wants to say hello, f- come find me. I'll let you know where I'm at. Uh, but this week we're in Memphis, TPC Southwind. And I got to admit... This is a this is a ball striker's paradise, right? And I think there's a lot of evidence towards that. If you look at the, the correlated uh, stats model, what you'll see is strokes gained approach was the most highly correlated stat to success over the years. That is, uh, it ranks fourth, which means there's only three other courses on the PGA Tour in which strokes gained approach was more important. Strokes gained off the tee was eighth, which means there's only seven other courses in which strokes gained off the tee is more important. And that is history at tpc southwind so this event has kind of a long and confusing history it was the fedex saint jude classic that was just a regular pga tour event they held that for my god 50 60 years something like that but it was played at tpc southwind basically every year starting in i think it was 1988 or 1989 then Uh, It got elevated to a WGC event, a World Golf Championships event for three or four years, which created a situation where you had a smaller but more elite field 78 golfers the world's best but we were still playing at tpc southwind well this is the first year now that they've gotten rid of the wgc events except for the match play um this is the first year that this event is a playoff event so we, we've we played tpc southwind every single year basically since i was born uh but that the field and kind of what you can expect out of it has changed a little bit. But either way, either way, I think it's going to be a, a, pretty, a pretty stout test. So a couple of other things. There is uh, a huge difference in playing out of the fairway versus playing out of the rough. In fact, the rough around here is some of the most penal rough that you get on the PGA Tour. It's not necessarily thick, but it's the unpredictability of it and being able to control your spin and getting it correct and all that fun stuff. Um, the other things to note are... The conditions in Memphis this year have been very, very dry. Um, They're like down five inches of rain compared to what they would normally get in June and July. So I believe this thing's going to play pretty firm, pretty fast. Obviously, we've gotten um, different fields here each of the last, you know, basically constantly changing in the last eight years or so. But the winning score... 14, 15 under par generally gets the job done. I think there's only been once or twice in the last decade. It's gotten to like 20, but I don't necessarily see that happening with how dry it's been unless they get dumped on this week. But yeah, this is this is going to be a true test. And you're going to find the guys that are uh, best suited for this are the ones that are hitting it long and straight off the tee, playing from the fairway, who are hitting it into correct pin positions, um, putting not necessarily a, a massive attribute for me this week, especially with how volatile it is, but we're going to go right back to those to those ball strikers, and uh, we'll try to identify as many of those as possible, along with the great course history that we have. Let's go to the cheat sheet. The cheat sheet. Okay. Um. Wow. Seven guys over $10,000, which certainly speaks to the strength of this field. The other thing that immediately jumps off the screen at me is that John Rahm is the seventh most expensive golfer. I could go back. We have probably not seen John Rahm as the seventh most expensive golfer in quite some time. Uh we will discuss whether or not that is worth investing in as we get a little bit further down the board, but man, that that's kind of the first thing that jumps out at me. Um Rory McIlroy $11,000 flat. Now there's a lot to un- unpack here, and I actually tweeted something about this out. I, I think that Rory McElroy, um, because he hasn't won a major championship, like people assume he's not playing well, which is just an absolute absurdity, right? In fact, he's playing better than everybody by a wide, wide margin. So I tweeted this out. The last eight starts for Rory McElroy, he has gained... 98 strokes to the field in eight starts. That's like 12 and a half per start. The average winner on the PGA tour only gains like 14 and a half strokes or 14 strokes. So he's basically a stroke and a half worse than the winner, uh, or than the average PGA tour winner over eight starts. That's insane. The fact that he only has one win is insane. This eight event stretch is actually the best eight event stretch from any golfer dating back to the start of last year, okay? So he is historically in just a prime spot right now in terms of how he's playing. It probably is the most, going back to the start of last year, that's just what I was computing at the time. I'd have to go back and run more. It could go back a lot further than that. And when you look at how he's doing it, Look at the ball striking category. Since the Masters, seven and a half, eight and a half, ten and a half, five and a half, ten and a half, seven and a half, five and a half, nine and a half. It's insane. So that's what, eight, 16, 24, 32 rounds? Last 32 rounds, everybody in the field via the ball striking numbers, let's see, Rory's number one. He's the only guy over two. So if you want a guy who's hot, Rory's the hottest. If you want a guy who's ball striking it well, Rory striking it the best. Uh, he's probably the only guy. Just kind of a quick here. I can do it like this. Quick little, um, quick little glance here. Rory McIlroy, the only guy in the field who's gaining at least a stroke off the tee and a stroke on approach. That is a very, very dangerous combination. Um, I don't particularly love Rory McIlroy's nine to one, eight to one, ten to one odds this week, but only eleven thousand dollars feels like. Potentially an opportunity to buy on Rory here. Let's just kind of see. Yeah, I mean, this is there have been plenty of time. He was eleven thousand five hundred at, at the Wells Fargo. He was eleven thousand one hundred at the Open Championship. um We've seen even more expensive versions of Rory during this really hot run, and now he's eleven thousand dollars flat. So man, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to kind of move me, to move me off of that. Um, Scotty Scheffler is next. If you saw the power rankings there, Scotty Scheffler was uh, basically right behind Rory McIlroy in terms of the ball striking numbers. Uh, The putter has cooled off a little bit. If you are looking to kind of split hairs, I suppose you have to be worried that uh, the putter has, has, Kind of gone away from Scotty Scheffler. He's actually lost strokes putting in three, four, five, six of his last eight. Not particularly great, but he's had some time off from the open championship. Maybe he can get that right. We're splitting hairs to the top of the board. That's the only hair that we can really split here. Xander Shaufley, ten thousand six hundred um is is fine. I think he's fair uh priced very fairly. Same thing with with Cam Smith. Uh the bottom of this ten dollars range. Uh Patrick Cantlay Again, kind of. Low key, you know, don't forget about Patrick Cantlay with what Rory mcelroy has been doing with what, um, Tony Finau has been doing with what Xander Shoffley's been doing. It's, it's been a great stretch from RBC heritage for Patrick Cantlay, where he's got boy, all top. F- that's a top 14 in every event dating back to the RBC heritage, which is nine events by my quick count. So eight of them finishing inside the top 14. He's very well rounded. We talked about this all the time. When he gets into these well-rounded modes, he's very difficult to contend with. We'll talk about um course history here in just a second. And then you get JT and you get Justin Thomas. Let's just do like a mini little deep dive on or JT and John Rom. A mini little deep dive on both of these guys because when JT is at his best, uh, the ball striking is is how he gets it done. Unfortunately, we're not really seeing that right now. You know, his last three, he's been pedestrian off the tee. His last three, he's been gr- he was great at the U.S. Open on approach, not very good at the Scottish Open, and not very good at the Open Championship. The putter has seemingly lost him again. He's lost four out of five weeks there, so that that's a little bit concerning. Then we'll just look at John Rahm before we look at the um, the course history here. Rom is, yeah, this is that continued trend, right? Where he's just an absolute monster off the tee, struggling to hit it close. The putter comes and goes. He's kind of fixed the around the green play. The putter's been generally better, but the approach play's kind of the big concern here. So if we look at the last, let's see what that is. Last, um, you know, 32 for just kind of that eight-event stretch. Uh, John Rahm's, you know, the worst guy above, Well, actually, hold on. Let's flip this around. Yeah, the worst guy above $9,500 on approach. Like, that's a little bit concerning. So, the way that I see this, um, Rory McIlroy, I think, is kind of a clear one. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Schauffler. I probably prefer Xander. I probably go Rory, Xander, Cantlay, Scotty. The discount on ROM Cam Smith, JT, something like that, and we'll see how ownership plays itself out. The other thing I want to point out here, very early in the show, um, if you go to the Holy Grail and you look at TPC Southwind in terms of course history, uh, remember this is going to be uh, all like all the all the events, right? This is going to be your FedEx St. Jude Classic, your WGC, your um, I guess that's it. Right, because this is the third one. So I guess that's it. But look at the top players in terms of course history. Rory, again, another checkbox in his favor. Uh, the best of everybody over 10K. Uh, one and a half strokes gained per round over 20 rounds. Uh, Scotty Scheffler's been pretty good, half a stroke. JT's been the good one here. So that's kind of the other thing. You 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 look at this and you say, okay, well... Maybe you buy on Justin Thomas, who's not playing as well, but he's going back to, of course, he's played really well out. That, that's an argument to be made. Um, Cam Smith has played 14 rounds at TPC Southwind. Hasn't gone well. He's actually losing strokes to the field. Uh, so you can kind of see the rest of this. But obviously a combination is required um, when, when, making, when making these decisions. But, but Rory looks really, really good. Let's go to the 9K range and see what we can find because there's a lot of strong names here as well. The 9K is really hard to dismiss, right? You, you have to kind of love the 9K range just because of the names here. Matt Fitzpatrick, who's been awesome and has two top six finishes here, that's fine. Tony Finau is arguably criminally priced, right? Coming off the two wins, and it's, it's, it's been even better. Like, yeah, he got two victories, but uh, he's been phenomenal all summer long. He I looked this up. There's only... um. Jeez, I, I tweeted it out a couple weeks ago. There's only like 15 instances of guys that gained 17 strokes or more in an event this year. Tony Fina, has, Tony Fina has three of them. He's the only guy who has multiple instances of it. So his upside is incredible. He's fixed the putter. The ball striking is insane. This He is criminally priced. Criminally priced. Um, you know, let's continue on that that last 32 conversation. Tony Finau is third behind only Xander Shoffley and Roy McElroy in terms of strokes gain total. Two and a half per round. Big gap between him and Patrick cantlay If we look at the weighted stuff, he might get a little bit worse here just because of his wins were 3M and Rocket Mortgage, but he's still ninth. He's still been better than Matt Fitzpatrick, who's more expensive. He's been better than John Rahm, who's been more expensive. So whether whatever. Tony Finau does this week. I think we can agree that is a that's a pretty bad price on him. It's a, I mean, good for us, bad bad by the pricing, guys. What I'm hoping for, um, and we'll see this as the week goes on. I'll do a live show Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Rick Rungood YouTube channel. What I'm kind of hoping for is for all that ownership to get sucked up to Tony Finau to get sucked up to Cam. Young, um, uh, maybe go down to Victor Hovland, who we'll talk about in a second, and leave Will Zalatoris here at ninety five hundred dollars all by himself. So the last couple of weeks, if you've been following along, you've heard the refrain on Will Zalatoris that hey, Detroit Golf Club, not a particularly great setup for him. Hey, uh, Sedgefield, like not a particularly great setup for him. A little bit better, but not great. What's he do? T twenty, T twenty one. On two golf courses that I don't think were all that well suited for him. What does he get this week at TPC Southwind? Arguably one of the better setups for him. Because what does Will Zalatoris do well? He hits it long. He hits it straight. And he is just an absolute flusher with his irons and his wedges. Well, remember... This golf course is going to reward that. It's going to reward the ball striking. You look at what he's done in his only trip here, an eighth place finish last year. Yeah, makes complete sense because this is a great spot for him. This really uh, magnifies his strengths. It kind of covers up a little bit of his weaknesses, which by the way, his weakness, um, obviously the putter, right? Obviously the putter, but he's like kind of been okay. Right? He's his last three. He's been basically tour average in his last three starts. If you get that again this week, um, I think we're in for some good things. He also made the caddy change, right? So he's got a different voice on the bag. Maybe that's what he needs. A little bit of a spark. Uh, I'm really, really... I will probably bet Zalatoris this week. Uh, I don't know if I'll get a great number on him, but after seeing him finish inside the top 25 at two golf courses that were arguably some of the worst golf courses for him on the schedule, going to a place that is probably top three, top five for him, Torrey, whatever your US Open setup's gonna be, um... You know, Memorial might be a decent spot for him, or Bay Hill. Like this, this, this is a great spot for him. So, I'll be interested to see how everything shakes out in the 9K. Um, the other, the other one here is is Victor, who I think we have to talk about. So, we haven't seen him since the Open Championship. The uh, the Sunday was obviously a little bit disappointing to play out of the final group and finish T four, but. This on paper should be a course that sets up well for him. He has said this is one of his favorite spots on tour. Um, I know that he has been in Memphis working with his coach, Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith is based out of Memphis or just about... 15 minutes outside of Memphis in Tennessee. Um, they've been they've been at TPC Southwind, they've been grinded. Like I, I think you're gonna get a really good engaged version um of, of Victor on a golf course that again should suit his strengths. We'll we'll stick with that last thirty two. That's just what we've been what we've been rolling with here. And we'll look at the ball striking numbers and let's see where Victor shows up. Well, not as high as I would like, admittedly. Did I scroll past him? No, he's right here. So 0.70 over his last 32. That's the same as Kevin Streelman. It's the same as, it's less than Johnny Vegas. It's less than some of these other guys that you would expect him to be better at. What is he like last 100? I bet you it's a lot better than that. Yeah, it's third. So you're kind of, what you're kind of hoping for is uh, some time with coach, uh, some time off, some time with coach can get you back to being the ball striking um, magician that you were kind of all at the start of 2022. So, I'll be I'll be thrilled if I can get like a a single digit owned Victor Hovland this week. That's that's the goal. As we jump into the AK, I want to look at a couple of other things here. I want to look at the trends. So, this is um this is the the trends tool on rickrungood.com kind of shows you who's playing over their head, who's not. I, I got the last 20 rounds in here. You could argue this could probably be like 12 rounds. If you really want to see trending, you should probably make this shorter. So, the way to read this is Tony Finau is actually gaining two strokes per round over his 100 round baseline. His 100 round baseline is probably pretty good, right? His 100 round baseline is, uh, like a stroke and a quarter. So now he's like, you know, two strokes over that. You're talking about him playing way, way over his head here. Trey Molinax also over his head. Um, a little bit relying on the putter, but he's doing it in a pretty decent way. Tom Kim at eight thousand dollars, obviously playing over his head. Emiliano Grillo, Chesson Hadley, Ches Reavy, Scott Stallings—these guys that you could argue are um, getting hot at the right time. You know, kind of making a run here. You also look at it how they do compared to their putting. So this chart right here makes it very, very simple Uh, guys that are hitting it better than, than their baseline, but are not putting to their baseline, right? So you just say, okay, well, continue hitting it that way. Um, and marry that with just like your baseline of putting, like Brendan Steele on the verge of a breakout, Troy Merritt, uh, Wyndham Clark, Davis Riley, David Lipsky, Patton Kazire, even Shane Lowry to an extent. These are guys that are in that upper left-hand quadrant that you'd be really, really excited about. And a lot of these names, you know, especially Tom Kim, who I'm very interested to see what you know, a community win last week, and now you're 8000 bucks, and you 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 might be like we don't know what he is. Is Tom Kim colin Murakawa or is he garrick Higo? right when you win as early as he did in 15 starts and as young 20 years old you're gonna get a lot of these comps and it's probably somewhere in between garrick Higo and colin Murakawa. uh but at eight thousand dollars the week after you boat race a field after you quad number one i think he's gonna be really really popular so we'll see we'll actually probably find out earlier um we'll probably find out in the jock market so jock market is stock market dfs it's buy sells Uh, trade short shares of athletes. Uh, Tom Kim will probably be very popular on Wednesday night when we do the IPO. Last week, he was very popular. He went for $6.68 last week. He got the full $25 a share payout. So that's 18 bucks a share you made on Tom Kim. If you are a Russell Henley backer, you still made $7.70 a share because he went from $7.30 to $15 a share. There was a ton of high ROI guys like Ben Griffin, who was $1.76 in IPO, 16 bucks a share. Max McGreevy one seventy-seven to $13. So a lot of different ways to play this. Um, and, and jock market is one of my favorites because of kind of the ability to get big returns from, um, you know, some of the lower guys that are, are further down the board. Also, uh, we do a power hour Wednesday night, Rick run good YouTube channel, 8, 15 PM Eastern time, take you through the final hour. You can go bid on shares of athletes. Use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. The tools that I showed you, are these are free. You can go to, rickrungood.com underneath free tools and go through all the data. Very, very helpful stuff. Um, Hope you enjoy. Colin Morikawa, 8,700. Is that the, is that the cheapest we've seen on Colin Morikawa in what? What do we want to guess? 8,700. Wow. Yeah. The cheapest he's been. Well, the tour championship doesn't really count because that, that's a staggered start. So you have to kind of throw those out the window. So of a regular event, he has not been this cheap Ha, wow. Since the 2020 PGA Championship, you guys remember how he finished that week? Yeah, he won it. Um, Before that, he was 8,400 at the 2020 Arnold Palmer Invitational, finished T9. Then he was kind of often in that mid to high $8,000 range. Wow. So so basically before Colin Morikawa became Colin Morikawa, that's the last time he was this cheap. So let's look at this together. What do we see? Well, it's kind of understandable, right, that he's this cheap. He hasn't played well. He missed the cut at the Scottish Open, he missed the cut at the Open Championship. He did have three really good rounds at the US Open, finished 5th that week. That is by far the best three rounds we've gotten from him since the Masters. You can see a lot of a lot of struggling play. So if we go back to that, again, we're just kind of sticking with that top, you know, last 32 rounds, give everybody eight starts. Um, you know, where does Morikawa rank out in this? Well, he's gaining about a stroke to the field in his last 32. That is, it's okay, right? It is, uh, let's see. Well, it's 42nd. It's 42nd in the field in the last 32. So boy, um, what case can we make here? What case can we make? The ball striking numbers haven't been horrific. I think what you're doing, if you want to get Colin Morikawa in your lineups, is you are taking a cheap flyer on a guy who has all the upside in the world, right? That, that's, that's going to be the argument for Morikawa, who finished 26th and 20th in his, in his two trips to this event. You are buying literally a literally a two-year low, right? More than two years. May 2020. Or June twenty, whatever that was. Um, two, you're buying a two year low on Morikawa, and we'll see what the ownership is. But that's a already a pretty compelling case in itself. And when he's playing his best, it's an absolute perfect setup for him. So this to me is going to be dictated by ownership and by your goals, which I don't think we talk about that enough, right? Like, what are your goals? Are your goals to make, you know, play a single entry and and double up? Uh, the Colin Morikawa is probably not the guy for you. Is your goal to win like the 200 K up top and be in a, in a field of a hundred you know, 150 max and get twice the level of exposure to Colin Morikawa. Like, cause Colin Morikawa is going to give you legit upside that some of his other peers down here just do not have the rest of this AK range. We already talked about Tom Kim. He is very likely to be incredibly popular. Joaquin Neiman is quite interesting. Um, We got, we got to do a little bit of a deep dive here. He's 8,100 bucks. You know, I don't want to start giving out lineups, but like getting, if you got Morikawa and Neiman into the same lineup, um, that's, that's pretty fascinating, right? This is a guy who's gained strokes off the tee in every event since the RSM classic. That was last year in November. Um, he's gained a ton of strokes on approach. Uh, in his last five starts gained basically multiple strokes in four of his last five the ball striking numbers have been phenomenal hasn't lost there since the match play which is a little bit of wonky number so if you give him credit there you say he hasn't lost in the ball striking category since houston around the green hit or miss uh putting this is a little bit bizarre uh his last four have not been good but he is historically kind of a better putter than this so you're wondering if he can marry that has he played here before I think he has. I think he's played both of these. Yeah, he's played um, as the FedEx St. Jude Classic and as a WGC. So he's gone miscut T-52, T-17 in order. Last year, he gained four strokes putting. Um, can we get that again? If you signed me up for Joaquin and a four strokes putting, I'd probably bet a lot of money on him. The other thing to consider is, I think this is going to be quite firm and fast. Uh, just but by the lack of rainfall, the idea of this being like ball strikers paradise, it kind of reminds me a lot of of his win at Riviera, right? Just like firm, fast golf course, go out, go wire to wire. Um, I, I, I really think there's a path to the top of the board for Joaquin. Nima. He's gonna have to putt a lot better, but the ball striking stuff is is super strong. I mean, he's fifteenth off the tee. He's 35th on approach. What else do we have on him here? He's not very good on Bermuda grass surfaces putting, but it's not, I mean, he's tour average. If I can get like a decent week from him, that's fine. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like that, that stands out to me. That stands out to me because I think you're going to get a very popular Tom Kim. Um, maybe a pretty popular sung JM at 8,500 bucks. If you got single digit ownership on Morikawa and Neiman, it's pretty exciting. I don't know if that's realistic or not, but we'll find out later in the week. Uh, the other concerns are, uh, I guess Hideki, like no idea what to do with Hideki. He's gotten better each and every year at TPC Southwind, 43rd, 20th, and a runner-up finish. The bizarre level of WDs and the weird DQ, and then when he has played off four rounds or two rounds, the approach play's been gone, barring two really good events, but like no consistency anymore. He's not driving it as well. He's lost in five straight with the driver, the putter, which had gains earlier in the year. That seems to have dissipated. This is a pretty concerning stat profile for me. You don't know if there's outside forces here. Like he's thinking about going to live or I like, I'm not breaking any news here. He's been highly rumored. Um, I don't know that that's a, that's a pretty ugly stat profile for a guy who this course should set up well for, but I, I don't think I can get there when I can probably get uh, better, higher upside versions of, of low ownership for, for some of these other guys. So um, yeah, probably Neiman, probably Morikawa, and then we'll see what the rest of the ownership shakes out. Sam Burns finished runner up here last year. So I think he was actually in a playoff as well. So that's certainly worth noting before we go to the seven K range. Um, I did just want to run like a little playoff thing, playoffs, just like who's played well in the playoffs. So I just loaded up the Holy grail. We could do like the last, I don't know, five years or so. This is tour championship. It's BMW championship. I threw in the Northern trust. I threw in, um, Dell technologies when that was an event, right? Just like the playoff events. So, who kind of shows up at this time of the year. I think it I think it is a little instructive just because of you get you always get the same strength of field, right? Or not the same strength of field by OWGR standards, but you always get the top 125 of the FedEx Cup playoffs. You get the then the top 70, right? So I think it is a bit instructive. Um Justin Thomas is number 1. 52 rounds he's gaining 1.47 strokes per round. Uh Rahm is 2, Finau, 3, Rory 4, Cantlay of course. I'm just trying to see like who else shows up here besides the most expensive golfers? Alex Noren, $7,200. When he has gotten into the playoffs, which is not super frequently, has been very good. He's gaining a stroke per round over 26. KH Lee and Justin Rose. KH Lee only has eight rounds. Jay Rose has 30 going back to 2018. He's been okay. So I'm just kind of looking for you know, a little bit of value, guys, that might be able to show up come playoff time, Aaron wise, Terrell Hatton, 28 and 30 rounds respectively. So, um, and Hatton's actually, that would be even better if it, if he didn't miss the cut, at the Northern trust in 2021, otherwise it's a bunch of really good finishes. So I thought that, I thought that's interesting. You can kind of look at that a, a couple of different ways, but, um, those are your, your, your playoff guys. Um, the seven K range. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's start at the top here. I've mentioned Hatton mentioned, um, Aaron wise, both those guys played well last week, uh, have played well in the playoffs. Max Homa, love you. Th- this is about as concerning as it gets for Max Homa in terms of um course history. So he is actually just hemorrhaging strokes at TPC Southwind. Um he's losing a stroke and a half per round, uh which is basically the in 20 rounds, which is basically the the worst of anyone um Who has played as many rounds as he has, like not even in this field, like of anyone, right? Anybody who's played 20 rounds at this golf course is basically the worst. And you could say, well, Rick, he lost 14 of those strokes uh, in 2019 where he really gave it away. Well, sure. But he's also never gained here, right? He's played five times and he has lost strokes to the field every single time. Um, That's that could be just this course doesn't fit him very well. Then you look at what he's done recently and losing strokes on approach in three straight. That's a little bit concerning. So I, I love max. I do, you know, love him on firm and fast on ball striking golf courses, but this might just be one that doesn't fit him. And I think that's okay. Right. So I'll take a pass on max Homa and try to find some other guys. Um, you know, the middle of the, of the seven Ks is, is really interesting. Um, Davis Riley, who, if you guys are following again, I'm such a big believer in kind of snapped out of a little mini slump with a 13 place finish last week. Probably could have been better on Sunday, but hard to argue that Corey Connors, who I was heavily invested in last week had an absolute vintage Corey Connors week gain eight strokes in the ball striking categories, lose three with the putter, finish T21. That's absolute vintage Corey Connors. Again, I'll say it, this should be a really good course for him, but he's going to have to putt well. Has he played here before? He's got to have played here before, yeah, because he's in all those WGCs and stuff. Let's see how he's putted. Well, five events, five times he's lost strokes to the field. And he's finished T27, T30, T36. Yeah, vintage Corey Connors. Man, one good putting week, Corey. Give me one good putting week. Um, probably unlikely to happen. The guy that I'm kind of interested, uh, uh, two that I'm most interested in that I'm, I'm interested is interested. Wow, I'll say interested one more time to see where the ownership goes on these guys. Uh, Seamus Power is number one. Seamus Power is having a great year, okay? Uh, He missed the cut at the Open Championship. That's the last time we saw him. It's the only missed cut he had at a major this year. In fact, he was T27 or better in the other three. His putter can get very, very hot, and he's a good putter on all all surfaces. That includes Bermuda. He is also, um, you know, he's only ever played here as part of the FedEx St. Jude Classic, the regular tour event. 2017 and 2018, he finished 27th and 12th. I'd argue he's a better player now. Right than he was in 2017 and 2018. In fact, I'm not sure that's much of an argument. You look at the splits, he is in the midst of his best season ever. He's in the midst of his best off the tee season since 2016. He's in the midst of his best approach season. No, he's not. Uh, he was better last year, but still pretty good. Um, he's in the midst of his best putting season since 2018. You add it all up, like I said, his best his best season ever, basically, since 2016, which I think is a really, really small sample size. So yeah, like give me a little bit of Seamus power. The other thing is, um, Taylor Pendrith, who talked about a lot, a couple of weeks ago at the rocket mortgage almost went out and won the thing. I did not necessarily think Sedgefield was a great spot for him. And I don't really think this is either because you got to play out of the fairway a little bit more than, than he tends to. But I, I was impressed with what he did last week and if he starts showing the ability it's five straight top 13s now five straight i know it's spread out over four months but it's five straight if he starts showing the ability to show up at some of these golf courses that i don't think are particularly good spots for him like that'll be very impressive we're still learning what he is um and and if he comes in at very low ownership having a you know twice the weight on him might not be all that expensive for somebody who's 7600 bucks I will say Pendrith is also not as wild as as maybe you think he is. Last thirty six rounds, he's actually he's only losing uh one point seven percent of fairways to the field. Adam Scott's losing four percent, right? So like he's more accurate than Adam Scott is, and way way longer. At least in the last thirty six. Again, a little bit of a small ish sample size. Um, the rest of the seven K range, I'm not not particularly thrilled you know i'm kind of looking for some of these dual threat guys off the t and on approach i suppose mito Pereira would fit that category although he has missed four consecutive cuts there are uh rumors flying about outside influence kind of there you wonder if that's impacting his play so you'll have to make that decision for yourself but again looking for some dual threat guys jt poston's been very good off the t and on approach um cam davis also just kind of dual threat Gaining nearly a stroke, uh, or excuse me, a half a stroke off the tee, and another half a stroke on approach. A little bit less on approach, but look at these finishes: eighth, sixth, sixteenth, fourteenth. This should be a decent spot for him if he can keep it in the fairway. Like, I'm not super stoked about these guys, but it's hard to hard to overlook them. And then, um Ches Revi has kind of solved the puzzle that is TPC Southwind. So. It should make sense because he's very accurate. And when he plays out of the fairway, he he can dial in the irons and the wedges. Look at his last four here. Uh, didn't play at TPC Southwind last year, probably because he didn't qualify for the WGC, but he's gone 6th, sixth, 27th, 6th, sixth, and 4th. When you start comparing that to everybody uh, at TPC Southwind dating back to 2018, I bet you he's pretty close to the top. Uh, of guys who have played 12 rounds, Webb Simpsons, number one, 1.79. Reeves number two, 1.42. Actually, let's go back one year because that would add another year. Yeah. So of 16 rounds, uh, Reeves the best. Reeves the best. He's 7,100 bucks. Remember, he won a couple of weeks ago, so he's playing well now as well. Um, So those would be the guys I'd be interested in in the low sevens, the sixes. Now... The min price sixes shouldn't be that bad, right? Because everybody's in this field, you know, the top, like, like this is probably uh, a decent week to be willing to be really scrubby because by the nature of this event, these guys have had to have play well this year or they've had to play well recently to get in, right? You know, someone like a Max McGreevy who just played himself in last week, like, yeah, he's min price, but he's not a not a, he's not playing poorly. He actually snapped out of like a very uh, bad slump there, but he showed a little bit of upside. These guys are better than I think your normal six K guys. So when we start flipping this around just everybody in the 6k let's go real short let's go last 16 rounds just to kind of see who's hot because listen it's 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 playoff time here let's just let's just figure it out um Hubbard is number 1 6900 Callum Taran 6600 it's number 2 Taylor Moore 68 James Hahn is 6200 um Steven Yeager, I was very impressed with last week you know he I think he had the round of the day on Sunday, finished 13th. He finished fifth at the Rocket Mortgage. I like when you're kind of getting a couple of different types of golf courses, right? You get uh, two good finishes there. He finished 22nd at the Barracuda, 30th at the John Deere. Starting to see a little momentum here from a $6,600 Steven Jaeger After a really slow start to his season, I could definitely get behind a lot of these guys. Um, if you're playing out of the fairway, if you think playing out of the fairway is required, your best bets are Mark Hubbard, Kevin Streelman, Martin Laird. Uh and then probably Taylor Moore. Taylor Moore also a fifth and a sixth. Taylor Moore's been great. Taylor Moore 1.65 over his last 16. What's how does that How does that shake out? 14th on tour. Wow. 14th on tour over his last 16. Got to love that, don't you? It's pretty good. All right, let's run a model here. Um, Rick, run good custom model. Lots of new things have been added. Constantly, new things coming. Let's let's keep it real, real freaky, frisky. I, I was almost got caught in the middle of those. Sixteen rounds. Uh, we want to, we do want to emphasize ball striking, but also playing out of the fairway. So I don't know if you got. Maybe I can zoom in a little bit. Help you see this. I like to zoom real far out. There we go. Um, all right, so. Let's do, and, and most of these guys have played a lot on the, on the PG. I don't think we need to necessarily do weighted stuff in this field. We can, you can, if you want, there's ne- never anything wrong with that. Let's say off the T is going to be. Um, 10, 10, 15 on distance, 15 on accuracy. So that's a heavy dose of off the T and accuracy is just as much a part of it actually let's do like 18 and 12 let's say accuracy is more important it's just so penal the stats back it up okay approach here i think we can go with pure strokes gained approach and actually if we do 30 on driving we got to do like 35 on approach because that is remember more correlated than off the t is so i think that's fair so now we've got 25. I don't think we need to do anything on putting and we don't need to do anything on around the green. I, I just, I don't think we need to. So we could say birdie or better. We could say bogey avoidance, considering that this is um, probably going to be a little bit tougher. We could do, there, there are, there's about an equal number of shots. I think it's from like 125 to 200. We could bucket those. But again, we've already kind of hit our approach buckets. Let's do, uh, we could, okay, I'll do this. I'll do 10 on. Strokes game putting on Bermuda just because that is uh, the surface that we have this week. So I've got 25 left. I'm probably going to go with fantasy points gained. If whoops, not 152, 15. And then our last 10 on bogey avoidance. And let's just see what this gives us. Last 16 rounds. My number one golfer is. Oh, no. Scott Stallings. Well. I wanted to get freaky, didn't I? Let's look at Scott Stallings. Yeah, I mean, this is why. So last 16, holy crap. Wow. Last 16, so that's four starts. 8th, 4th, 10th and 13th. He has gained quick math 16 strokes on approach. Um he's actually put this is actually a very it's a very good stat profile. At least from the uh, obviously, if I go back any further, I am going to find two missed cuts for him. But because I put in sixteen, that is a very, very good stat profile from Scott Stallings. Wow! So no surprise he's number one when we start shortening it up like that. Tony Finau number two again. I think Tony Finau is criminally underpriced. Um, Taylor Moore is three. Mark Hubbard is four. They get the benefit of the approach play. Emiliano Grillo. I mean, when you get real freaky here, this is what's going to happen. Grillo is five. Pendrith six. Han seven. Poston eight. Revie nine davis cam davis 10 let's make it a little bit bigger right let's go to 24 rounds or actually if we're going to change it we might as well like actually change it let's do 36 and just see uh i think we're going to get some bigger names here. I'm, I'm fine with doing either right i'm fine with doing either but let's resort this yeah so now number one is Xander. Xander, Scotty, Tony Finau, Davis, Riley, Sungjae, Scott Stallings, still there. Rory is seven. Hubbard is eight. Mito is nine. Lowry's 10. Jaeger is 11 in the longer category, in in the longer term. That's pretty impressive stuff. So, Maybe we kind of use the thirty six as like our core, and we use the sixteen as kind of those value options where Scott Stalling showed up and Grelow shows up and Pendril shows up, and kind of be a little bit different there, so lots of different ways you can do it. come use the model, sign up um constant improvements being being made there, but uh yeah, that's very very interesting okay well, we'll see how the rest of uh the week shakes out in terms of ownership and in terms of um research, I guess, is the word I was looking for. I don't know. That was weird. Okay. Uh, Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below. More great stuff coming this week. Best of luck. And I'll talk to you guys soon.